what can partnership teams do better? I really like how you describe this process because that's exactly how this happens. Again, it, that's sales. That's not, it's not a relationship. Since we implemented that change, we've noticed drastic increases in improvement across a lot of accounts. And it's not just some uh, financially incentivized relationship. Truly person to person. Welcome to Make Them Famous, the podcast about partner enablement. The only podcast to uncover both how partner teams enable their partners and how other department leaders enable their partner teams to achieve success. All right, welcome back to Make Them Famous. Today is another version of this podcast where we get to hear from two longtime partners to uncover what they are doing to ensure ROI from their partnership. With me is one of my favorite partner managers, Nick Romea, head of partnerships at Recart, and his partner, Daniel Budai, CEO of Budai Media, a retention marketing agency in Europe. Today, we are going deep into the weeds on these topics, determining partnerships market fit, finding your first partner, developing first partner sorry, developing this first partner into a case study to build your program around, how the CEO of Recard developed the first few partnerships himself, Recard's unique cash upfront incentive model and why it works, Nick's experience with commissions, incentives to agencies for their partnerships teams versus their CEO, why Daniel sees most partnerships calls as a waste of his time, that's an important one, and what can partner managers do to ensure the agency owner wants to get on that next call. This is another actionable boots on the ground strategy pod for you all. But before we start this episode, please take three minutes and hear from three sponsors, which are actually great partner enablement products. Thank you again. Enjoy. Well, we could not make this podcast famous without help from our sponsors. For sponsorship, we looked to three platforms that help you find, activate, enable, and manage your partner program. These three tools may be the only tools that you'll need to effectively run partnership. The tools in question are Reveal for account mapping and running co-selling operations, Partner Stack for scaling a multi-tiered commission-centric program, and Partner Hub for working closely day-to-day with MSPs, managed service providers. Partner Stack probably needs no, in, no introduction, excuse me. They work with top tech companies like Monday.com, Unbounce, Intercom, and Webflow. And it's a company that we recommend when you are ready to scale your commission-centric usually a multi-tiered partner program. Check out partnerships, I'm sorry, partner stack to scale partnerships. Revealed, again, when you're ready to really get into the revenue operation of partnerships, that means that you wanna map accounts, see what the overlap is, see who I'm targeting that you're also targeting, see who I'm targeting that you're not targeting, and come up with a strategy to get those accounts into my pipeline into your pipeline and to build that pie, that bigger and bigger pie together. Oftentimes you'll invite a partner to an account mapping solution that has a paywall too early, which is prohibitive for a lot of uh, the target audiences that our partner programs are after, the digital agencies. Uh, If you invite them to reveal, you can trust that they won't hit a paywall. 
There's 360 account mapping UI in Reveal for free. And it is at reveal.co. Finally, Partner Hub. Again, it's a partner operations platform. Partnerships has a lot going on. Who's doing what at what stage in the partnership are the questions that many of my partner managers ask themselves. Partner Hub is here to solve for what are we doing with partnerships? Who's doing what? Where are our partners? And if we need to find more, are we able to go and shop for more partners? Partner Hub answers all of those questions with yes, and it is free. It's free for top tech companies like Apollo, AudioWise, Smith, Growbots, Recart, Customer.io, and it's free for digital agencies like Hawk Media, Trellis, Aptitude 8, Creative Trends. A lot of these tech companies and agencies use Partner Hub to find and align with each other. MSP, Managed Service Provider, Digital Agency, as well as SaaS tech companies. So check it out, partnerhub.app. And again, thank you for listening. I'll let you get back to the show. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Nick, let's start with a quick introduction in case anyone listening doesn't know who you are and what you do. Hey, everybody. My name is Nick. I am the head of partnerships over at Recart.com. Recart is a mobile messaging platform, so we do messenger marketing and SMS. Uh, and I've been there for about two and a half years running um, everything from agency partnerships, tech partnerships, uh, events, etc. Awesome, man. Yeah. And we have a long history. I think long being uh, in partnerships, anything over a year is long. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a pleasure working with you for the time that we've been working together. It's been great. Likewise. I've learned a lot. So thanks for jumping on. The conversation started, Daniel, I want to get an introduction to you and, and, uh, and your agency here. But uh, the conversation was first with Daniel. Um, I didn't even know when we were talking, Daniel, that you had such a long history relationship with Recart. And uh, I decided to schedule this podcast with you to kind of understand, A, what's going on with your agency and partnerships? Uh, what's going on with you guys and Recart? Why it's been such a, I think, positive relationship and um, get some content for the listeners to allow them and, and teach them to create a partnership like your and Recart's. Uh, but Daniel, who are you? What do you do? Uh, what does your agency specialize in? Sure. So thanks for inviting me, Alex. And uh, I'm the CEO of Budai Media. We are a retention marketing focused e-commerce uh, agency. And we help e-commerce companies all over the world, mostly in North America and Europe. And uh, we help them with marketing channels such as email marketing, messenger, SMS marketing, loyalty programs, recently even uh, CDPs. So that's what we do. And uh, we've been a Ricard partner since the earliest time when it was possible, I think two, three, maybe four years ago. But uh, yeah, I know their team, you know, uh, many team members there. And uh, we are both based in Budapest, Hungary. And uh, we both have team members in the US as well and all over in Europe. So it's been a great relationship. I, I like I like the story, the anecdote you told uh, before we started recording, but it's very interesting. And I think for the CEOs listening to understand like how this relationship got started, what is uh, almost like the, we call it partnerships market fit, where you have a product, all of a sudden the agencies are starting to 
interact with your product in the way that you did, Daniel, where you're building services for your clients on top of Recart. You're not just sending a link to Recart uh, to your clients and saying, hey, this is the tool we recommend, but you're servicing Recart. And then you experience issues with the product and you start knocking on doors. And then all of a sudden the CEO invites you closer to the product, which I think is part of Recart's success. I don't know how big of a part, but part of Recart's success is what happened with you. So Daniel, why don't you tell us what happened with you and the CEO of Recart? four years ago? Yeah, I think it was back in 2018 when I just launched my company back then, I think. And then I posted a lot on Facebook because back then it was way more organic than nowadays. One day I posted about Ricard that this is an amazing messenger marketing tool. Back then, I think they had only messenger marketing. Now it's much more, it's SMS as well. So that's the flagship actually now. But uh, back then it was focused around messenger and some email marketing. And I uh, just started, you know, talking about Ricard that this tool is good, but there are even, you know, other tools on the market. And uh, I have my reasons why I prefer those as well. And uh, the CEO of Ricard, uh, Shoma, um, he read this post and then he reached out to me on a Messenger. Uh, he'd he, he wants to talk to me and uh, he invited me to, into his office. And then he asked me a lot of questions about the product. So, you know, back then I expected that maybe he, he would be a bit hostile or, you know, he's, he's a bit hurt or something. But actually it was not that, so it, it was not the case. It was a startup back then. It's still a startup, but back then, you know, the whole team was really young at Ricard. And uh, he was just genuinely, genuinely curious about the uh, product. So he asked a lot of questions and I remember we talked for more than uh, two hours, maybe even three hours and uh, just, you know, one-on-one, two CEOs. Since then we have the relationship. Sometimes we even go to the gym together. Yeah. Uh, Nick, this was before your time, correct? Let's just get the timetable. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so the notes I'm taking on this podcast, and I think what we can get out of this, at least in the first part of the episode, is you know, for CEOs to build a an initial relationship with a growing agency that obviously has bought into the product, has um, has experienced good and bad product, um, and has some expertise in the market that you're trying to break into. So this was when Recart was still trying to find product market fit, I think more or less. Um, They aren't what they are today. And uh, then an agency starts being super active with the product, experiencing good and bad product, and then starts commenting on social and commenting on maybe review sites. And then instead of obviously trying to block that agency and get them off the product and say, no, you just don't understand what we're trying to do, CEO invites the agency, Daniel, in this case, uh, to a call, finding out what Daniel's doing with the product, really getting to know Daniel. And that is the seed, the genesis of the partner program, which now Nick runs. The takeaways are finding that initial flagship partner is super key to SaaS partner programs. Daniel, you are a perfect example of this. It's someone that is savvy, someone that wants to build services on top of the product and wants the product to be where Recard is today, but it wasn't there. This was four years ago and wants to help 
because you see the opportunity, Daniel, and hey, if Recar can just fix a couple of these minor things, I can sell a bunch of services on top of the product and we can grow together. So back to Daniel real quick, Nick, and then we'll go to you. But I want to find out really how Soma enabled you in those early days. Was it just, hey, I'm, I'm going to offer you essentially a chance to work close closer to the product and help us? Was there any sort of incentives for you or was it just you mm-hmm. felt the product was the right product and you, you felt generous enough to help them? What was the enablement in those early days? Yeah, I, I really like that you mentioned that we built on this product. We, we built a service around this product because actually since the beginnings, uh, we have this mindset that we don't want to work with 200 SaaS companies. We want to see the whole market for, let's say, SMS marketing. Because now that, you know, our go-to SMS tool is Rika. So we just uh, check every tool on the market and then we pick one or maybe two and we use those and we try to have a very close relationship with those companies. And it's not just some uh, financially incentivized relationship, but we try to go the extra mile. So knowing the CEO, knowing their team, knowing their uh, product development, uh, what uh, issues they have, what challenges they have, we give them feedback regularly. And uh, that's what we do. And you asked about the incentive. So actually with Ricard, we exactly got these things. So of course, there is some, you know, financial incentive, but that's not the main thing. We want to have a happy clients, satisfied clients. And uh, with Ricard, we have a shared Slack channel. Sometimes we have calls, actually not sometimes, quite often. And we invite uh, clients as well. We are just rolling out a few case studies together with, uh, with our clients. So all of these things. And I think these are very strategic things. And uh, unfortunately, many SaaS companies, they uh, don't enable us to do it. Or I don't know, they just don't have this kind of mindset that I, that I really miss. So um, yeah, I think this strategic partnership is very important and connecting not just the business owners, but, you know, the employees in both teams. Okay. And this is where I'm going with this. That's, that's all <laughs> here. So it's, it's a situation where in the early days when it's one partner, all you really have is we can work closer with you. We can support you more. We can bring you closer to the product and offer you, Daniel, in this case, uh, and your agency, the opportunity to be to be experts and also sort of trusted advisors almost. And, um, and that gives you a little bit of extra pull with your clients where you can say, you know, I, I really know this product and I really know the team well and trust me, almost like a trust me sort of thing. And that's enough. But Nick, now you're dealing with okay, well, I have to enable hundreds of partners and I can't do that with all of my partners. So you have to build what is now a mature partner program, which has different sort of more scalable automated incentives that are a little bit different than what Soma and Daniel had when they were just start, starting out. So now let's, let's talk a little bit about what the partner program is today. Nick, what does it look like today? What are you using to manage this program in a sense of like, how is the operation of of partnerships look today? And what are some of the incentives that you're using to draw more agencies in? First of all, I want to say that Daniel does get, uh, I want to say a little bit special treatment from us at Recart because of course he was, uh, and I don't know if we, we mentioned this, I think we just talked about how Soma met Daniel, but 
just to be clear, Daniel was actually our first person in the whole program. Um, and one of three agencies that was kind of warmed up to me when I joined the company. Uh, so th- I kind of had like a, a little bit of a head start. Uh, and one of the first calls that I ever had actually was with uh, Daniel and his team, which was pretty awesome. So just kind of wanted to emphasize how um, awesome the relationship is between uh, Budai and Ricard. And how thankful we are to have someone so close to home, you know, there's not that that many agencies and tech companies in e-commerce, Shopify specific in Budapest. So it's really so cool to have those connections already pre, pre-populated. Once we started working together, of course, uh, initially it, it, it was a little, um, it, it was definitely not what it was today. As you said, it's become a lot more mature. Um, to maintain this level of partners, you have to talk, uh, you know, in, in automations, you, you, you have to talk to the masses. So we use a partner um, uh, p- portal uh, to use that. And we update assets and send out newsletters as well uh, for any information, new integrations, uh, product roadmap, for example, what the rest of Q3 looks like, what the rest of Q4 looks like. So you can mention that to your customers and you have a good expectation because at the end of the day, Recard is an extension of your company, right? You're going to be using this product for your customers. You got to keep up to date with everything. Um, but of course, there's definitely some times where updates and, and communication can feel barren and stale. Uh, so that's when, you know, I'll just try to chime in and be like, hey, how's it going? You know, just being human. And I think that's very important. And that's one of my biggest philosophies in, in partnerships. Uh, a lot of people don't try to take the time to really connect on a, on a level maybe that isn't business related, right? It's, it's just truly person to person. And then obviously you can talk about business later, but I, I think relationship management really starts with understanding the person um, and, and who they are at a core. Anyways, besides the automations, running a partner portal, uh, we do an interesting um, program here at Recart that I'm pretty sure is, is unique uh, or, or somewhat unique, and we'll actually accelerate commission. So if someone signed like a six-month deal or a 12-month deal, uh, this is, again, just the financial incentive side. It is more important for some agencies, less important for others, but everyone runs it in some capacity. But we think this is a pretty interesting angle, and it's somewhat compelling given the fact that SMS is volume-based. So some of the numbers can get very, very, very big. It's not like a Netflix subscription. It's literally depending on sending, all the messages go through AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, you name it. And uh, the margins are much smaller. Um, So with that being said, if we can accelerate the commission, get like a big lump sum, that's pretty nice for certain agencies who want that. But ultimately we lead with service. So just making sure the clients are the happiest, as Daniel said, uh, that is by far and large our most important priority, making sure everything is good. Quick through rates are good. We're sending a healthy amount. Um, the client's happy. We're answering in a sh- very sh- uh, quick period of time. Do they have any questions or concerns? Uh, but that, that is ultimately the highest level of prioritization at the partner program is uh, the, the service and the attention from our team. And I've seen your program grow a lot in the past just just year, I think, Nick. I mean, you've from our first conversations till today, I think, you know, you're finally at that mature stage in the program where I think everything's starting to fire and you've got a system really created. 
So it's really good to see. So that uh, just to recap that incentive structure, that's really unique. Um, I don't know anyone else that does it, but I'm sure there are other companies that do it, but it is unique. In, at least in my experience, you will take a referral from an agency like Daniel, and maybe there's qualifications in here. You can you know mention any, anything like that. But if Daniel has a pretty decent sized referral that he wants to bring in, you'll front load the commissions on that instead of dripping it out over 12 months. Is that the way it works? So hypothetical numbers, the referral's worth $5,000 for recart. You'll front load a, a, whatever the percentage is instead of having to be a $50 check every month, it'll be a $500 check in month one, just to keep the numbers round. Is that kind of how it works? Exactly. It depends on the contract duration that the client signs. So, you know, we have as low as three months uh, up to, I guess, you know, we don't have anything bigger than a year, but I'm sure if someone wanted to sign two year, we wouldn't say no. We'd figure that out, right? Um, I'm pretty sure anyone would try to figure that out. But uh, yeah, so whatever the duration is, we'll just accelerate it. Exactly. You still get commission after that, uh, overages each okay. month. It's all still there. It's it's just it's just kind of front loading it a bit. It just a way to spice it up. I love it, and um, Daniel. Let's let's talk about how that is perceived by you guys. I mean, um, accounting is the only sort of negative that I would see. But you would you rather have fifty bucks a month for for ten months, or would you rather have a five hundred dollar check that month that you brought the referral in? Yeah, I think it's not even a question, right? So um, we have, of course, we have other partners as well, and. I think all of them, they have this uh, monthly model or quarterly model where they pay us after, you know, after the fact, let's say. Ricard pays us upfront and that's amazing. I think they are the only partner who does it. And uh, yeah, it's quite relevant for a company, I would say. It really helps us. So that's great. The only thing I can think about that is, you know, when you're dealing with a partnerships team and they're, they're getting that one lump sum, it makes the next month a little bit more kind of a question mark, right? So an example of that, Daniel, is that we work with some agencies that have, you know, large partnership teams, or at least a few people on the partnership team, and they have monthly quotas that they got to hit with their partner sourced XYZ, just like a tech partner team does. And when they get those lump sums, it, it changes their accounting, essentially their projections, that's all. But other than that, especially if you're dealing with a CEO, that seems to be a, a, a better use of the total commission payouts is to do it all at once. So let's talk about that, Nick, and then I'll get your opinion on this, Daniel, is incentivizing a CEO versus a partnerships team. And the mm-hmm. example, Nick, I think is, you know, uh, for us is the Hawk Media scenario where Hawk Media would rather Nick spiff out their sales team than put Hawk Media in this commission payout pool that just goes to the company. It goes to the balance sheet of the company. They'd rather a, a 200 bucks go to the salesperson, for example. Mm-hmm. But what have you seen and what have you, what has your experience been with the difference between incentivizing a CEO like Daniel versus a mm-hmm. partnerships manager at an agency? Great question. It's, it's pretty interesting because certain people, uh, you know, like a partnerships leader doesn't own the company necessarily. And if they find out there's an incentive for them, you know, they, they're kind of like becoming a pseudo salesperson for Recart, if you will. And that might interfere with what their actual role is at the company. And maybe, um, you know, the CEO doesn't want them focusing on that and, and things like that. So I think the first thing to do is just to clarify with the CEO or the partner manager, 
how do you like to get compensated? Obviously you could say like, are, you know, are there ways outside that you like to get compensated also? <laughs> and you can kind of, you know, try to figure out the whole puzzle and like what really motivates people. But ultimately, you know, if, if you want to work with this company for a very long time and you want to make sure the checks and balances are all there, then ask, you know, ask the head of the snake, you know, at the top, like, what is the best way to compensate you guys? Do you want, do you want me to give 50% of it to whoever wrote the deal, 100% to the business? You know, we do different ways uh, all, all the time. Um, so it's, it, it's first point is clarification. Um, I do find in terms of lasting relationships and just more um, congruency across everything, the, the company itself and the company can decide what they want to do uh, with that money is the best way moving forward. Um, I do find, though, incentivizing your partners and your employees working with other businesses is very helpful. And an example is actually at Recart. Recart incentivizes our customer success reps to make your companies uh, more money, for example, uh, and, and just basically keep an eye on each of the companies working with us. And, you know, whether that's working with the partners, updating people saying, hey, like, you know, uh, Labor Day is coming up. I guess that's the next nearest holiday. Uh, you did such a good job, you know, three months ago. Why don't we send a campaign talking to the agency about that? You know, we're, we're incentivized to make our accounts more money. Since we implemented that change, we've noticed drastic increases in improvement across a lot of accounts. Plus, our employees are a lot ha happier as well. So I think that also works with, with partnerships to very much a degree. Daniel, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on that. So yes, I, I agree. You know, I agree. And I, I think, uh, I, think um, I think it's important as a partnerships lead, it's sometimes you can't be just like one size fits all or you can't be one size fits all. And you kind of have to work one to one with partnerships. And I think we're in that day and age where partnerships teams need to stop looking at those scaled programs as the example, you know, your Monday.coms of the world, uh, you know, above that, obviously your HubSpot and sales and Shopify and Salesforce and stuff. You know, you can't look at that and say, let's model our program like they do. You kind of have to be like, I'm gonna have a conversation with Daniel. But Daniel, what's your experience? I mean, you're, you're going on how many years as an agency? Six, four years. Four years as an agency, you've been in, and it's e-commerce. And again, for those of you who've missed that, it's a retention marketing agency, main partners, Recard, obviously, Clavio and a few other e-commerce products. You have been an agency during the most exciting time for e-commerce, I would say, in the past, since e-commerce existed. I think the last four years have been the most exciting. But now you're obviously in that calm after the storm where you kind of have to make sure that you've got things operationally sound and you are, you know, you're able to maybe scale, maybe you want to scale, maybe you want to sell. I don't know. How do you look at partnerships and what have you experienced as the change in partnerships since four years ago, this is what I was hearing and seeing today. Here's, here are the big changes. So let's talk about anything relevant around the word change in partnerships. Yeah, that's a very good question. So um, I, first of all, I already mentioned the, you know, building on products as an agency, I think that's one very important thing, but beyond that. So um, I think that uh, more SaaS company and software company CEOs, they should uh, think more strategically, you know, not just uh, how you will make more revenue or, or get more funding, but more strategic uh, cooperation. And there are many ways to do that. So 
co-branded marketing or uh, you know launching events together organizing events together either online or offline things and we we already did many of these uh, with Ricard so um yeah i think that's that's the main thing here i just talked to two saas companies today and after three minutes i just wanted to leave the call you know i didn't do that but uh it was just too too much for me like oh let's talk about that let's talk about that and then i want to talk about certifications i want to hear nick's uh experience yeah. with this as well so uh, what i want to talk about there is the sale versus the enablement and i just posted a link in our chat for those of you listening to an article I just published this morning and excuse the video placeholder. It's got some weird video placeholder, but I'll, I'll just share my screen in case anyone's watching this. We're going to have this on YouTube, by the way, if you're just listening uh, as a podcast, we have it on YouTube, but why do agencies see low ROI on SaaS certifications? So this backs into your point, Daniel, of uh, the SaaS company is just selling to me and not providing a partnership opportunity. I can I can't share it on screen here, but I was just in a LinkedIn conversation with another CEO and on his website, they have an affiliate landing page and then they have the product page and the product features and then everything on the product page is selling directly to agencies. And then the affiliate page has sort of a hey, we can offer you an affiliate fee and I was telling the CEO like you have to have an opportunity for the agencies to partner if you're just selling to the agency don't use the word partnership. Don't come to Partner Hub. Don't come to our community. Don't don't engage with us because you're selling directly to agencies and that's it. And if you waste the agency's time, you are obviously annoying Daniel and his agency by just getting on a partnership conversation and then starting to provide a sales routine, you know, demoing the product. So what this does, this this first talks about how most agencies are seeing low return on certifications but then part of the reason for that and what we discovered is that only three out of ten certification programs train the agency on how to sell a service on top of the platform meaning seven out of ten seventy percent of the certifications that we found only talk about the product how to use the product what to do with the product they do not tell daniel and his agency and his team what they can build on top of the product what services they can offer and how to actually go to market and sell those services the ones that do are hubspot shopify clavio attentive and okendo of the ones that we found the rest don't and of course those five hubspot shopify clavio attentive and okendo I think the three of us at least all know who those companies are. The ones that don't, we still know who those companies are, but you don't see people talking about the certifications on LinkedIn and on their profiles. And I think a big issue with what Daniel was talking about there that led to this is the product teams and the marketing teams are guiding the partnership program, which means that Nick and his whole entire partner presentation, if he's just starting, is seeded by the product and marketing teams and all they know is how to market the product that's all they know so then nick is kind of starting his program with hey we've got a great product and you should join the product and the product 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 and daniel's like yeah i know you have a great product but what is the opportunity on top of your product what can i build what is the service and how can i get all of my team to understand that as well the answer is a certification, but under that is you have to have a certification that trains agencies 
on how to sell services on top of the product. The big issue that Daniel just mentioned is tech teams that just present a sale to him in a partnerships conversation. So Nick, I want to hear your experience with that. And how has your experience changed from maybe when you initially started to talk to agencies and maybe all you knew is Ricard has a good product and I've got to go in and enable these agencies to now, what is the new sort of mentality that you have when you go into calls to make sure that you're not doing what Daniel just said is, is an annoying thing where he, he gets on a partnership call and they just start selling product to him absolutely love this question. I came from a director of sales background at a Shopify plus brand before Recart. So still in uh, you know, the, the Shopify world, just on the brand side. The last thing I would need, I guess, my experience, maybe I'll, uh, Daniel, well, I need some agency experience. Uh, that's like probably the last thing I need to check off. You know, I, coming from a sales experience background, coming to, I got this title, uh, you know, head, of, head of partnerships. I was coming out of like sales still. I mean, I didn't really see what the difference was. I was like, okay, should I just, um, you know, talk a little bit more with the person, I guess. And then and I, I understand sales is, you know, you interact with me for 30 days or so until you can pass them off to, I guess, the subsequent person. And then now partnerships is, okay, you interact with me 30 days. No, we're still interacting. Uh, you're interacting next month, the month after, years after, uh, like we are all here. Um, I met all both you guys back in 2020. This is, this is awesome. Um, and kind of hitting that distinction between sales and partnerships was, it, it took a while. Uh, and it's, it shows how new the whole partnerships, um, quote unquote, industry and trajectory is. But uh, yeah, I was very much product focused. This is our product, 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 exactly as you said, Alex. Uh, then I started realizing this is very one dimensional. Um, I don't really have a compelling reason to keep coming back and talking to these people I'm speaking to. And sure, I'm getting some oohs and ahs. But again, it, that's sales. That's not, it's not a relationship. Um, um, so then I started realizing, okay, I need to switch this into an angle of, 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 uh, uh, of trust, of reinforcement and of a way that we can both mutually benefit each other, you know, almost like a CEO hat, you know, let's paint the vision and let's look a thousand feet, you know, a thousand meters out, if you will. Um, and, and try to figure that out. Uh, that's not that long, you know, it's like, say a thousand, uh, kilometers out of that, uh, thousand meters, pretty, pretty short, short ahead. Um, so yeah, I, I think just adopting that mindset, looking at it as, you know, a relationship you have with your friends or family, for example, but, you know, exude a lot of those qualities you keep <clears throat> on the relationship management side and, and, and put them on your business partners. It'll go a really long way. Uh, and to piggyback off of what you're talking about with the, SAS certifications, Alex. Um, it's very interesting because we're almost done with a couple of our certifications and videos. And when I was, you know, going through them, I was like, huh, a lot of these are me just kind of saying again, product, product, product. Uh, so then I did a spin-off and it's in our partner portal where it's like how to sell SMS, key, you know, some of the quick hitters. And I'm kind of going on that angle. And I need to, I need to spin off even more of that. But there is a big distinction that I realized. And I was like, I thought they were together kind of like, again, sales and partnerships. Right. But really they are totally, totally far apart. I mean, and it's very important to have these distinctions if you want to succeed in this, uh, in this industry. 
I love it. And I want to get your thoughts on that. So a couple of things that Nick mentioned, when when partner managers start, Daniel, they are almost trained and brought in as sales slash marketing, right? Here's the product that you have, go and sell it to agencies. So instead of selling direct to customers, you're just selling to the agencies. And that's kind of where it all stops, unless they have a really awesome, savvy CEO or head of channel um, uh, above them. But I'd say nine out of 10 of the partner managers that I talk to when they're uh, even in their later stage in their career are still just pitching product. And we come in and like Nick mentioned, uh, we, we, just, we just hammer the idea of you're building a different thing. You are not selling Recard. You're not selling even a partnership. You are selling a bigger picture idea of what Daniel and his agency can do on top of Recart. And then you have to present that. You have to get Daniel bought into the idea of going down this track. We call it a partner track. And at the end of the track is tons of service revenue. And if you don't do that, what happens, and most of the calls that I have with these frustrated partner managers are, I talked to Daniel, he said he was excited, and then he didn't return my emails. And I said, okay, well, what did you sell Daniel on? And they say, oh, you know, he, he loved the product. He loved this feature. He said he had one client over here that could use that feature. And then he went dark and ghosted me for two months. And I'm like, well, yeah, he's, you know, the next 10 calls he has are with clients and all of those clients have needs and he has to deal with that every day. And all you sold him on was one client, maybe needing one of your features. If you had sold him on a partner track that ended in service revenue, then the next call you have is with his head of marketing to get the head of marketing involved in the go-to-market strategy. And then you, Daniel booked you with his head of sales to make sure that you're mapping accounts and you've got a co-selling arrangement with his agency. And then you get back on with Daniel to discuss the whole process of getting his team trained up and maybe that's a lunch and learn and Daniel's involved in that. And you have three calls booked with Daniel and his team and now you've kind of infiltrated and you are associated with his agency and you've got a plan in place. And Daniel's an operational guy and he wants to execute on that plan because it's a plan and he knows he's got to execute or else the ROI is going to be zero. So that's a totally different game plan than just saying, oh, that one agency had one client that was interested in one feature. And then you're trying to email them saying, what about that client? What about that client? So I want to hear your thoughts on that, Daniel. What can the partner managers do to enable you on that first call to have a second call and to create something together what can partnership teams do better i really like how you describe this process because that's exactly how this happens <laughs> you know like uh, we have calls and uh, in many cases i say that okay that is one client maybe a few clients who may be interested but let me come back to you and then i don't come back because i have enough things to do so that's the ugly truth um but yeah let's help partnership managers so um you know when there is a tool and let's say ricard or, or something else for example now we are testing a new pop-up tool we used one pop-up software for almost four years and now we are shifting to another one and 
maybe I can use it as an example. Why? So um, they have a very good uh, support team and uh, we have a very good relationship. And what I mean by this, so we have a shared Slack channel, we can have calls with them anytime. And the other company, um, they are just not as helpful. I mean, they are slow to reply. Um, we cannot uh, have a shared Slack channel. That actually really matters, especially at the beginning when we don't understand the product. We will have questions. That's one thing. The other thing is if I uh, or we as a team, we like the, the software, then uh, the next question will be, and not from me, but uh, from my team. Okay, but how will we use it? How do we have a process around it or, or we have to create it? And if the company can give it to us and Clavio, for example, they did a stellar job on this or Shopify, or I think you showed uh, Okando as well. So all of these companies are great to educate their uh, partners, um, not just how to use the product, but how to sell it. And actually that's very rare. Like 5% of software companies does it. They actually tell you how you can try to package your services. That's, that's great advice uh, for a partner. So if they provide these processes, it helps my team a lot because then from then from day one, we can, um, you know, we know how to sell it, how to work with it, how to get the first results for the client, the client will be happy, and then we can scale the relationship. So I really like this thing that you mentioned about, um, about these companies, how they help uh, their partners with guides and, and how to do sales, how to package the services. And I'm showing on screen one of our examples here in our community. We have training for agencies, and this is a, a course on how to set up and sell a service on top of just one product. And in this course, we go as far as packaging up the exact pricing that Daniel would sell the service for. We give him landing page copy and we give him email introduction copy, sales rebuttals, FAQs, so that if Daniel wanted, he could just copy paste all the information off of this document here and uh, put up a landing page. And then there's an email introduction copy. He could edit that and blast out to all of his customers. Hey, do you want this service? Yes or no. And maybe a couple customers come back and buy the service right then and there. Daniel's happy. Uh, whoever the, the uh, product underneath this crash course, they're of course happy and they're off and running. They've got a mutual client and a use case being developed and they're going. And Daniel didn't have to do a lot of thinking. He just tasked one of his team members to doing it and um, sent out the email. And then maybe no one replies and then Daniel didn't waste a lot of time and it's, it's just still a landing page on a site in case someone finds it. But that is what very few teams are doing. And Nick, I'd love to hear why you think very few teams are doing it this way. Why are they struggling with enabling agencies to sell services? What is the what is the reason? I'm struggling to figure out what the reason. Is. I know. I think I think the lack of depth of context there is surrounding all these like partnership. For example, I mean you. This is like one of the first partner communities to have ever existed. Uh, I know there's like a slight hyper specialization in e-commerce which makes it even further, you know, um, uh, unique, but 
let's be honest. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a barren desert out there for, for, for partners uh, and, and for partnerships. And I think a lot of it blurs with, as you said already previously, marketing and sales. There is just real no distinction um, between these things. And you know, it's funny. Uh, I have some friends that are in quote unquote partnerships uh, at some more corporate jobs. Um, you know, nothing to do with e-commerce. And it's, it's, it's basically sales. I mean, it's not partnerships at all. So it's almost like the partnership's name on a corporate level is like getting somewhat tarnished. And I think a lot of people are attracted to it because it's, it's a little fancier, right? You know, sales has been, it's, it's been around forever. It's like, okay, this, this is like just a newer title, right? But it, it's not about the title. It's, it's about the role. And I think a lot of people just don't understand that. And it, to be honest, Alex, it took me a long time to figure that out. It's it. Uh, so when people are in these industries changing jobs so frequently, it's hard to ever really like uh, catch up to that reality. And, you know, and, uh, unless you've been in the industry for long enough. So, yeah, I, I think that's another factor. You know, people jumping in and around. I, you said half-life is something like year and a half, you know, even last year. It's getting yeah. worse. The half-life is getting, getting shorter because of obviously all the economic turmoil that's going on right now. So if partnership, mm-hmm. partnership teams listening, uh, the advice uh, from Daniel, first and foremost, is to make sure you're not wasting his time. Make sure you have a true partnership conversation to be had. And then make sure you are fully enabling him to build services on top of your product and not just showing him a product that he can purchase for one of his clients. Yeah, yeah, that's a great piece of advice. And just a random thought while Nick was talking. So how can a company expect the partnership manager to build solid partnerships for long years if the partnership manager leaves every six months? (laughs) So... Yeah. I think that's a good thing to think about for company oh, owners. So frustrating. Yeah. And then they, you know, I, I see it happening all the time. That's a whole separate podcast, but the, uh, yeah, that's good. the churn of partner, partner managers is, is hurting everybody because yeah, Daniel then has a different contact every six months at every one of his partners. You probably have a half dozen, at least tech partners right now. And that's not including your agency partnerships. You got to deal with all this stuff, and uh, and 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 it's just, it's it's very much a yeah. difficult scenario if everybody's intact and staying put. But when people leave, it just makes it much harder. So the long and short of this episode is, you know, how to enable and find your your first flagship partner and uh, work with them to develop a solid program. I think that's the main theme from what I got. But underneath all that, I mean, we have certification stuff. We have spiffing partner strategy. We have um, working closer with the agencies to build services, making sure you're you're truly partnering and not selling. There's a whole bunch of bullet points and I have a whole page of notes now. So thank you guys so much for getting on. I know you both have calls to get on after this. Daniel, you may be done for the day. So uh, get some rest, man. I hope you have a good next day and a good trip to Poland. And um, yeah, we'll see you both in Slack either way. Thank you so much, Alex. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Daniel. Good to see you.